everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things, and occasionally we get to check back on some of those cool people, and today that is what we are doing with Alex French. He's the co-founder of Busy Coffee, a cold-brewed coffee, and he and his co-founder started Busy in 2016. We had an opportunity to catch up with him last August. And a year later, I am wondering, Alex, is it just a complete whirlwind of everybody getting back to work? And like, how's it going? It's It's been crazy. Yeah, I mean, everyone is working their tails off here. We, we've certainly grown a lot because the consumers are demanding cold coffee. They're demanding it year round and they, and they want a lot of it. Uh, so I we're in a good like, spot there. Yeah, I feel like you were one of the first people to do cold coffee. Yeah, we we you know we started we launched the company in 2016, but um, Andrew, my co-founder, and I we were roommates and we were making it in 2013. Um, so we were definitely one of the first. We were definitely one of the first on Amazon, and that that has helped us remain to be the best seller. But yeah, we were definitely early. How do you feel? Most people are using the product. Are they just drinking it on ice? Are they making iced coffees? What do you see the most? Most people. Um, blend their coffee with something. So actually there was a research report that just came out 82% add creams or sugars to their coffee. Now that's across all hot and cold. So my gut tells me that it's slightly a lower percentage on the cold coffee side of it, because at least with cold brew, it's smoother. So you don't need to cut the acidity, but yeah, the vast majority is, is creaming it. And they are having it for breakfast, having it for lunch, having it as like an energy drink. Are you, you know, you've been a coffee drinker for a long time. Are you surprised uh, who's drinking your product? Like, what's the target market? Honestly, I am surprised. I was thinking it was going to be, you know, because my own background, I always think you sell to yourself, and I certainly tried to. Um, I was thinking it was going to be just white collar workers, and we're a premium product. So I was really thinking kind of like your corporate nine to five worker. And as we've expanded, we certainly do get and attract those customers, but it's pretty much everyone. Because we have a reasonable price, we are more expensive than a lot of our competitors on the national basis. Locally, we're we're pretty in line with everyone. Right. Nas- nationally, we are a little more premium. And because we have higher caffeine, I mean, everyone wants it because it is higher caffeine. So we'll get your construction workers. We'll get, a t- we actually have a ton of teachers and people in healthcare, nurses and doctors that consume the product. So it's these like really high performing caffeine junkies that really need to uh, be, su- be successful in their daily work. So you've been on Amazon for some time and that's been a great seller. Tell me about the rollout and the expansion of what's happened in the last year. Is it just more Amazon all the time? Are you having new product lines? We've done a few new products. It's mostly extensions. So we, as like, let's say we had an existing, our smooth and sweet blend of ground coffee is our bestseller. We launched a five pound whole bean for the bulk consumer. We have a line of brew bags. We've expanded those into other flavors. So a brew bag is like a giant tea bag. So we've added in all of our roast profiles now. We did last year, I can't remember what time last year, but we did launch a decaf as well, which was, you know, it was a test for us. And then it's actually a decent market. It's like seven to 10% of the category, which is pretty good for us. Um, But really in the last year, most of what we've been doing is on the retail side. So getting into more grocery stores has been the the big growth for us. 
And do you have like distributors that do that? Or do you guys make the sales calls? What does that look like? In the food beverage industry, we do all of the selling. We have what's called a broker network. It's basically a paperwork pusher. Um, they tell you they're going to go sell for you, but they don't. They just yep. basically submit promotions and in, into the systems in the back. So yeah, we have a team. It's pretty lean. It's really just myself and two other guys. We just hired a third um, two months ago to to help go land more business. But it's it's pretty pretty lean, and, and uh, yeah, we're doing all the selling ourselves. So what does that look like in terms of your day? Like, do you spend X amount of time on new business development? Because nobody loves to like make cold calls and find out who they're supposed to be talking to at the grocer that's in charge of the cold coffee category. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I actually do like the cold call. I don't know why. It's just because I get to like schmooze with this person that doesn't really care. And it's just kind of fun. I don't know what it is, but I do. I do like it. But Alex, I, I like it too, but we are rare birds. Yes, yes. People, because the thing is you're facing rejection constantly. Yes. And I don't know why, but I just kind of, I'd like the challenge of trying to convince someone. I don't know why. I just like it's it. It's because you're a sales guy. You're a hustler. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I am too. And I'm proud yep. of it. And I always think, you know, I was a good cocktail waitress and I'm a good salesperson. And that's gotten me as far as I need to go in life. Yep. Yep. Well, and it's funny though, because I'm, I'm really good at business development, but I'm actually a pretty poor account manager. Yep. The, the repeats and the handholding, I'm not very good at, but I can go really get someone to believe what, what I see. Um, but then just that day-to-day management. And that's where uh, Kent, our, our director of sales, he's phenomenal as an account manager, but he hates the rejection on the business development side. Yeah. So and that's not uncommon. So when you're in a sales organization and you're setting it up right, you put the people that are like you on the front end, and then you have a support system on the back end. And everyone, it's a little bit of compensation. So it's not just like the sales guy gets all the money and the admin gets nothing. Mm-hmm. But that is, if you can find the right team, that is really the key, I think, to most successful sales organizations. So yeah. knowing yeah. what you're good at and knowing what you're not. It's, it's so important, but I mean, right now we're in the, you know, it's September 1st. We're still, we're at the tail end of our peak season. And so my days, I wish they were as structured as 10% in cold calls, but my calendar, I mean, I have 15 minutes today that I'm not in a meeting the whole day. Yeah. And so we're growing so fast and we are under-resourced. So there's just a lot of management of all levels from top to bottom, all of the departments. The only thing I don't really run is operations, which is big. It's a lot of our team, but I'm still doing sales, marketing, finance at at the highest of levels and still having to project manage a lot of it. So if there's any issues, any of the data, the analysis, any fundraising, um, I'm still doing all that sort of stuff on top of everything else. As we check back into you, kind of coming, you're over the five-year mark now. And so the business is probably, it's too big to turn off. And you now have a few livelihoods likely that are depending on it. Mm -hmm. What do you see like as your next immediate challenge from five to 10? Oh, um, you know, we have been very scrappy entrepreneurial and it's kind of funny, the what your job changes as the founder and the entrepreneur, if you stay at the helm and most of our challenges are process and, you know, HR policies. And now we're trying to recruit the best talent. So we have to have benefits and we have to have onboarding and 
okay, did they get a computer? Did we track it? If someone leaves, did we get the computer and the keys? Like, so all the process and management of growing the organization in a way where before it was, let's make sure we can figure out how to get the products to sell. Okay, well, that's working. But then the nuts and bolts of the of the car are falling apart. It's kind of exactly like to what you say. In a lot of respects, it's like starting a whole new business. So now you have the product and the operations are, you know, dialed in. You can make it, you can get it yep. into the stores. But now it's like, and where a lot of entrepreneurs, frankly, fail is now it's like a whole new company. So you have to pivot your skill sets yep. and find the talent. And that's a really hard challenge for a lot of people. So yeah. And, and as first time entrepreneur, I mean, I'm, I have to put development plans in place for people and do quarterly reviews and make them feel that they have mobility in the company and that they're going to grow their careers, which is, you know, it's brand new and I'm, and I'm learning it on the fly, but it is very different workflow. What do you love? You know, I love the, I love the selling. I love yeah. the vision, the biz dev specifically. Um, yeah. I love doing that. I love coming up with new ideas. Um, honestly, walk in stores. I'm, I'm, a, I'm like your classic visionary. It's, a, you know, it's weird to call yourself that, but I really come up with ideas and selling strategies and kind of that's, that's where I really thrive. Less, more external facing, less internal facing, I would say. Right, right. Um, in terms of competition, there is a little bit more than there used to be, I think, for you. Mm-hmm. People have seen this as being a good category. How do you stay the leader on Amazon and is it just more paying for more clicks, more eyes, more marketing? So Amazon, it's it's a it's a bloodbath. It's extremely competitive. Um, we just are really focused on doing what we do better than anyone else. So our product is superior. A lot of people can just slap the word cold brew on a bag of coffee and call it cold brew. We actually do take another step where we sift out fines and big chunks. So the product is superior. And now we just have to communicate it. And then we got to make sure that, you know, no one's knocking us off. No one's because on Amazon, anyone can kind of sell any product under your brand, which is scary. So we're very tight on our distribution strategy to make sure there's no resellers, there's no knockoffs. Our profile health is always really good. Um, So we're just trying to keep doing the basics right. Keep getting reviews because, you know, the thing about Amazon, we're all shoppers and you're going to, you will look at the thing with the most reviews when you're searching for it. You're just going to. So let's just make sure we keep the review count high, review count strong. We don't kind of trip up on our product is probably the big thing on Amazon at least, but it has gotten very competitive. The cost per clicks are are up a lot. This is um, your first kind of business out of college, right? So you're a, a beginning entrepreneur. Do you see taking this business to the end and selling it? Or are you getting itchy to start other businesses? Because you really smell like an entrepreneur to me. Yeah, well, this is my first successful <laughs> one. I've, I've failed twice before. Tell me about the failures, because I think oh, you learn the, a lot from those too. And the reason busy is the, the category that we're in is because of the first two failures. So the first one was a snow sports accessory. It's a widget for snowboarding. And it was called the Lifty. And it had an awesome name. People loved the logo and the stickers. But the product was very difficult to educate the consumer. Basically, it allows you to, when you snowboard on the trail, if you have to take one foot out. And it causes you know your knee to twist and can get painful. So people put their boot underneath it, and then the edge of the board cuts their boot. So this was a way to basically make it so it didn't hurt your knee. 
Um, but it's, you know, it's tough for me to just explain it now and then yeah. try and get someone to buy it too in a sport where it's all about image. And so what I learned from that one is like, we need people to be searching for the, what they're looking for. I cannot try to educate someone. It's yeah, you're not into impossible. evangelizing for products. It's so hard to educate. It means money basically is education. And so I was like, okay, the next one, people have to be searching for it. Like, I'm not going to screw around anymore and try to educate. And then the second one was once we actually got a customer in that to buy our Lifty, they only bought one ever and it was like 20 bucks. And so I was like, okay, they, there's got to be some consumption and cons- it's got to be a consumable product for me, repeat purchase. And so I basically had a Venn diagram of search driven and consumable. And I'm at General Mills. And I'm like, okay, food's consumable, makes perfect sense. Let's just check that box now, food and Bev. And then we were just looking for a product that fit our own personal needs. And we were drinking cold brew and we're like, this is going to be big. And, and then we looked at Google trends and the search volume was tripling every year. And this was even in 2013, it was tripling. And so we're like, all right, this, this is going to be big. Let's, let's just swing for it. So the, the first one led to the third one. The second one um, was... You know, it wasn't like a commercial failure. We actually made money. It was basically a group fitness company that was outdoor, pay what you want, but it just couldn't scale because people were going there for the the leaders that we had, and we weren't going to hire people. And, you know, so we basically just shut it down. But that, that one did make money, but made me understand like your market size is important. You got to be able to scale the thing. And so, with those kind of two failures, we'll call them, developed into to busy. Yeah. Do you still exercise? Uh, the last few, like since COVID has been brutal, but yes. Tell me I, about that. Cause I'm in the same boat and I used to be like five, six days a week. I was solid yep. and I just have not gotten back into the habit and I'm really struggling. And I know it's cause everybody's busy, but you know, it's supposed to be a priority and I'm just not making it. So I'm curious what you're finding. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a person and I'm doing my damnness to get back into it. Um, but you know, I like I've done marathons. I did Ironman. Like I was a yeah. hardcore athlete, and I would have a rule every day. I pack a bag when I go to the when I leave for the work every day, no matter what. I will like it wasn't an option. I am working out today, and I'm the type of person that studies at the library. I work at the office, and I work out at the gym. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the gyms closed, and I've been going to Lifetime for like. 10 years and my whole routine that I've built over a 10 year span is gone. Yep. And so I had to like retrain myself and with what happened with work, I've been working so many hours that, you know, I don't have the energy, my willpower units, if you will, I feel like I have a certain amount of them and I'm using 110% of them at work. And then by the time I'm done, I'm like, if I'm not going for a bike ride, that's pleasurable or like a 15 to 30 minute workout, like that's all I'm going to do. So I'm probably at like three or four days a week right now. And I used to look forward to it. Now I have to drag myself there, which is a terrible place to be. Yeah. And I only picked at it because I think you're so not alone. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm getting ready to join a gym again and I'm dreading it, but I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think as entrepreneurs, we just need to prioritize ourselves too. And our mental health is part of our physical health. And So thanks for sharing your personal story with me. Of course. Well, Alex, um, what's, I look forward to talking to you because you always strike me as such a fun person. 
Um, are there any new products that you've come across in your life that you're like, oh, this one's killer. I wish I would have invented it. Um, you know, I'm really interested in like the personal electric vehicle space. So like, oh. I, I got a helmet over my shoulder here and I just bought an e-bike uh-huh. and I just love that category of personal electric vehicles. I'm also really excited about um, just like kind of mobility in general, but um, VTOLs, vertical takeoff and landing. So it's think like, um, you know, your, it's your classic flying car, if you will, but it's in between like an airplane and a car. And so you can, it can be a bus, it can be a personal one, it could be commercial, that whole space of transporting things and people in the air um, emission free with electricity is like very interesting to me. I'm a car guy too, motorcycles, bikes, like that's where I would love to play. If I could go back, um, I would probably have tried to enter that space instead of what I'm in now. Well, you know, life is a long life. There's a lot of life ahead of you. You got a lot of road. Mm-hmm. Um, true. It sounds very cool. Uh, my husband's into motorcycles and bikes and boats and all the stuff. And uh, I, the electric bike thing, I met a woman that is in the hospitality business and stopped at a light and said, oh, you know, so-and-so, how you doing? She goes, oh, I'm on a Zoom call. She was on a Zoom call on her bike and she rides and and motors and she'd lost, I think, 70 pounds. Wow. Because she just, she said, it's like with the motor, I feel like I can get places fast enough if I need to. Yep. So I just force myself and I'm just always on this bike and I take meetings and I do calls. And That's I just awesome. thought that was so smart. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say I, I got my e-bike in May and I already have over a thousand miles on it. I think I've driven my car or motorcycle less than... 10 times this yeah. summer. I mean, I, I cool. it is my full commuter. I only use it. And, you know, I, I live in downtown Minneapolis or Northeast and I work in Brooklyn Center. And so I get to take the Mississippi River, which is a national park, all the way to work. I Gorgeous. have no traffic. It's beautiful. And then it, it literally is four minutes more than driving. And That's there's cool. zero stress. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. I love it. Well, Alex, it's great to check in with you. Thanks for your time. We'll continue to watch Busy Coffee, and we'll check in with you shortly. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye.